Stinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time, which means we are live, which means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. And you're definitely going to want to put us on speed dial and give us a call because we have a great show planned for you tonight. We have with us the one and only Chris Naylor, who's a stuntman on Star Trek Picard Season 3, and he's going to be along with us to answer all your questions and tell us some nice behind-the-scenes dirt on what actually happens on the show, how they go into making all those great action scenes that we enjoy. So you're definitely going to want to give us a call at 646-668-2433. Before we get too far, though, I want to introduce my awesome truck experts. We're down two tonight, but that's okay. We have with us our very own Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing, Charles? Oh, Charles. Sorry, I was distracted Charles, by the birds in the background. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I lost a little bit because it sounds like there's birds out there chirping away. Must be Jim. You Are you sitting outside, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> not in these smokes, not in these forest fires. <laughs> I'm doing all right, enjoying our crazy weather as usual. Yeah, we should be high 90s. Doesn't explain why we're hitting high 80s for the last two days. But, well, I'm enjoying it while we can. Yeah, well, the smokes from these fires are are really, really bad here. When it, I sit there and say the smoke, when I say the smoke is usually bad here in Vegas from the fires, now Jim understands what he what I mean by that. Yeah, pretty bad. And uh, we also have with us Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? Man, I am doing great, although I'm, I guess I'm feeling the weight of having to represent the entire Portland consortium all by myself, but uh, I think I can get it done. Yeah, just like the good old days, we always got it done. We're like the two musketeers. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. <laughs> and uh, as of right now, guys, we have 1, uh, 124,874 downloads of this podcast, so thank you so much. And we have 143,322 followers on our Facebook page. And speaking of our Facebook page, if you guys would like to hear your name mentioned in a fan shout-out, 
just visit our Facebook page. And, Eric, how's the easiest way for our fans to get to our Facebook page? Well, um, you know, perhaps not the easiest, but the funnest way would probably be to actually write your name and address and social security number on a piece of paper, fold it nicely, preferably in a some sort of style of origami, slide it into an envelope, put 14 stamps on it, and then mail it to Jim, and he may or may not read it. Um, now, if that one doesn't work for you, you can always just go to trektalking.com and access not only our Facebook page, but you can also send us a message right down there in the lower right-hand corner. You can click the little microphone. It allows you to actually record a message to us. Tell us where you're from. Tell us why you listen. Tell us everything you like about Trek. And, uh, you know, we'd love to play your, uh, play your snippet on the air here. Um, but yeah, that's probably the, the easiest way. Although the first way I think sounds a lot like a lot more fun. Don't you think so, Jim? Oh, I, I, oh, you could beam yourself over here too. That's always doable. Well, that'd be pretty cool. Um, that'd be pretty cool. As soon as they invite you really to cool. invent a teleporter, I'm there. So if you do, if you do reach out to us through our Facebook page, all you have to do is look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim. And then you want to tune in to the next podcast because your name is going to be featured for all of eternity. Everyone's going to know that you're not only a Shrek fan, but you listen to this podcast. So, Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs this week? I absolutely do. I'm going to spin that globe, and we're going to head down to the very southern tip of Africa and say hello this week to Jacques Aylward, who's saying hello to us from South Africa. Thank you, Jacques. You are not the first from South Africa to say hello, but uh, there's not many of you there. So thanks for supporting us, and thanks for spreading the word all the way down there on the, the tip of that continent. Uh, I can't wait to visit there someday. Thank you so much. Also saying hello and sending out a big shout-out this week to Ferry Lawrence, who's saying hello from Sydney, Australia. Good day, mate. That's right. We've got a lot of supporters down there in Sydney, and Ferry, you are one of them. Perhaps you know some of our other supporters. Thank you so much for listening to us, and live long and prosper to you. Billy Bat, we'd love to say hello to you all the way over across the pond in London, England, one of my favorite cities to visit. Billy Bat, thank you so much for listening to us over there. And in this first set, my last fan shout-out goes out to Jim Hillis, who's listening to us from Belfast in Northern Ireland, right there on the same group of islands just across the pond. And uh, Jim, man, I cannot wait to visit there someday. I've never been to Ireland, but it looks amazing and belfast looks like a super cool city thank you so much for listening to us charles i'm pretty sure you're going to want to spin that back over to this hemisphere right yep but not quite the states let's start off with luis hernandez a big hello from mexico city welcome luis i've actually been in your city when i was younger top fan roy jane matthews from Alamo Town, Texas. Oh, let's hear it for the Alamo. Sean Allenday from Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome from Atlanta. And top fan Dennis Colby from Tucson, Arizona. Dave's not here again. All right. Angela Grant from Texas. Okay, Texas, New York City. I live in the ocean in Oregon for a while. Okay, I guess she's listening multiple places. I didn't realize there was a – I don't think there's a Texas in New York. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Jim knows. 
Welcome. I, I, I think what she's saying is that she's currently in Texas. She was in New York City, and she also lived in Oregon by the ocean. I think that's what Angela's saying. Okay. All right. I, I hope so, because I was going to say, I didn't realize there was a Texas in New York. But welcome to Jim J. Hanks, Jr. from Jacksonville, Florida, up in, up in Mark Bealey's neck of the woods. Manor Rose from Las Vegas, but currently in Tennessee. Well, I don't know if you ever got around the USS Las Vegas, but welcome, Manor. And Teresa Giles Gunn from Utah. Oh, I wonder which part of Utah. We've got a lot of us who travel up the southern tip. Paul Flash Eric, who's on your list? Well, I would try and do my best Paul impression, but I just, I'm not good at accents at all. So I'm just going to stay in Eric mode and say hello this week to Petra Mayer, who's saying hello to us from Vienna, Austria, sending us a little live long and prosper hand, as well as an Austrian flag. Petra, thank you so much for listening to us and live long and prosper. Peace and long life to you. Dana Erika Doskova is saying hello to us from the Czech Republic today. Dana, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening to us from that part of the world, uh, another place that I have not yet visited that I would love to. And uh, thanks for carrying that Trek talking flag all the, all the way over there in the Czech Republic. Also saying hello and sending out a big shout out this week to Joel Berner, formerly from New England and New York, now in Davao City, Mondano in the Philippines. The Philippines. Joel, once again, we've had a couple of listeners here and there from the Philippines, but not a whole heap. So uh, thank you so much for listening to us all the way over there. Kapla to you, sir. And as well, we're saying hello this week to Johan Petru Kaluva Dam, who is listening to us from the Faroe Islands. And you say, where the heck is that? And I say, well, the clue was given with the flag. It's in Finland. Johan, thank you so much for listening to us over there in Finland. And Jim, I know you want to bring it back stateside and close out these shout-outs. Absolutely. I want to say thank you to David King, who's listening to us in law in Oklahoma. I want to say thank you and kapla to top fan Jimmy Jackson, who's listening to us in southern Indiana. Top fan just means that you interact with us a lot on our Facebook page, and we really appreciate that. I also want to say thank you and kapla to top fan Jeff Richardson, who's listening to us in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And last, but definitely not least, another top fan, Lisa Kowalski-Homing, who's listening to us in New Jersey. And that wraps up our fan shout-outs for tonight, guys. If you'd like to be on our fan shout-out, go over to our Facebook page and just tell us where you're listening from. Look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, and tune into the next podcast to hear your name. All right, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We'll be live for the next couple of hours, so please let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking because we have a great show. We have with us live in the studio Chris Naylor, and uh, Chris is a stuntman, writer, and producer. He's best known for his work on Star Trek Picard Season 3. Well, that's why we have him here, but he's done a lot more. Uh, he's been a stunt double um, 
for a very long time. He worked on Luke Cage, Defenders, 911 Lone Star, Jumanji, The Next Level, Westworld, Cobra Kai, Doom Patrol, and Runaways, just to name a few of his impressive credits. You can ask him anything you want about any of those shows, including Star Trek, by calling right now, 646-668-2433, and we will get you on the air with Chris. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Welcome to the podcast. Good, guys. Thank you so much for having me, man. I got to give a shout out. Uh, I got to get a shout out to uh, my first job ever at Universal Studios, Florida. My first stunt doubling job ever was uh, stunt doubling as Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time. That was my first job ever. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, but... I'm not sure if you guys ever. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys ever saw that show at Universal Studios, but it was a kick-ass stunt show that was really like uh, just you know, a great way for audiences to interact with a live show in 3D technology for 1996. And then I think it finally closed in around maybe 2009 or 10 or something. And, but that was a great show and that's what got me started in the business. So huge shout out to them over there. I, uh, I went, I was so impressed with that. I had to go back and see it a second time because I was so blown away by it the first time. It was like something I'd never experienced before. And, I was just like, wow, if they could make movies like this, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I agree. I thought it was a really cool little sequel as well to, to T2. And um, once they started making more movies, I guess it kind of came outdated. So, Yeah, but it was so awesome while it lasted. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yep. Let's, let's dive right in, Chris. And let's talk about yeah. Star Trek. Let's do the Trek right off the bat. So, obviously, the first question that I'm going to ask you is the same question I asked Earl, and that, of course, is, were you a Star Trek fan before you got the part? 100%. My dad showed me Star Trek as a kid, and I just fell in love with it. There was something about it that kind of... Uh, it, I was way more interested in Star Trek than I was Star Wars for some reason. Maybe it was, you know, the the, the world that Gene Roddenberry created to where, you know, we all kind of, you know, we're, we're under the United Federation of Planets and we're, we're all getting along. And, you know, there, there are enemies out there, but for the most part, the planet Earth has had made first contact with aliens and we were working together to, you know, build better, better worlds and seek out new life, new civilizations and everything. And I, I don't know what it was, but there was just something about the original movies that I saw uh, with, you know, uh, with the original uh, uh, cast and crew from the sixties. Um, and I just, I just really fell in love with it. My dad and I used to watch all the movies like just back to back and from, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture to uh, Star Trek six. And then when when the next when the next generation came out, my dad said, "Oh my gosh!" My dad was so excited because he was such a Star Trek fan. And when that came out in you know what was it eighty seven, eighty eight, and he got me hooked on that. And I just every day after school, it was already in syndication, and I I just enjoyed every everything about Star Trek. Now um, you stunt doubled for. Um... Uh, uh, Captain Shaw and Captain Riker on Picard, correct? That is correct. I was first contacted by my uh, stunt coordinator friend, Guy Fernandez. He was the stunt double for Luke Cage on Luke Cage Season 2, which I also worked 
uh, with my friend who was stunt coordinating Luke Cage, Matt Mullins. And when Guy Fernandez started stunt coordinating Picard, he brought Matt Mullins to be his fight coordinator, and then they brought me in to stunt double. And it, we all kind of had like a nice little reunion from working on Luke Cage. So worked out perfectly, and we all got to hang out again. And and they, they knew how much of an avid Star Trek fan I was, which is why they were excited to bring me on too. Now, Chris, when you when you walked on the set of Picard, uh, were you aware of how? Special it was, and actually, what it meant to have the entire cast back together for the first time in over 20 years. Dude, I, I, I'm not lying, man. I got goosebumps. the The first set that I walked onto was uh, Beverly Crusher's Beverly Crusher's uh, ship. You know, from the start of episode one. I forget the, um, the name is uh, forgetting me right now. I'm sure you guys know it, but that. That ship, it was such a, um, it was so cool seeing it because it was the technology from, you know, the Next Generation series. And I was just like, oh, here's this and oh, here's that. And, you know, my friends who who, weren't, who were working with me as well, they didn't really know what I was talking about. And they're just like, what are you talking about? I'm just like, oh, God, you have no idea what, what we're in for. <laughs> Did you get beamed at all when you were on the show? Did you get the transport? I never got beamed, but I did get disintegrated. Oh, okay. Well, that's just as good. <laughs> yeah. One one day they needed so, me to play uh, as 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 some as some fans are calling the uh, the, the the aliens the, uh, the 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 bird people uh, <laughs> you know the ones with the with the, with yeah. the beaks. Um, I uh, I got I got to play the one one of the ones that is attacking Beverly Crusher in, in the beginning of the season. I'm I'm one of the ones. Uh, that come onto the ship and she eventually disintegrates both of us. I was one of those, uh, one of those creatures. <laughs> Wait, you got killed by Gates McFadden? I did. Oh, living the dream. <laughs> living the dream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I she also, was, was really, I also really nice. saw a picture of, of you getting killed as a Ferengi. Or, or, am I correct? No, see, so I was killed by Worf. So I was I was my human form, and they originally had me on the call sheet as a human because we had we had three other stunt guys there who were I believe they were they were Vulcan and Romulan, and then they had me as a human. But then when I saw the final cut, and you see the you see um, you see Worf's uh, fat lift go through me. Um, it's green. I have green blood, so I'm just like, well, what happened there? They didn't put me. They didn't put any ears on me, but maybe I had a Vulcan look to me. I don't know. <laughs> that's, oh, that's did weird. Quinn kill you? I, did Quinn kill you as Warf, or did Michael Dorn kill you as Warf? No, that was Quinn. That was Quinn killed me. That was a uh, that was stunt all stunt double work uh, with that action and that and that fight choreography. All stunt double work, and then then and then you zoom in. They they they. I think the next day was when they actually filmed Worf carrying out Raffi. Wow. So you got killed by Quinn. Quinn killed you. Yes. Wow. That's pretty (laughs) cool. (laughs) Yeah. That's really neat. (laughs) So when you, uh, when you were doing, when you were stunt doubling for Captain Shaw, uh, did you actually do his death scene when he gets killed by the board? Was that you? 
Yeah, that was me doubling that day. Uh, surprisingly enough, uh, except for the big explosion that rocked uh, that rocked the Titan and sent Shaw flying across the room, and he, he busted up his leg. Shaw pretty much, for the most part, did a lot of his own stunts. So he that was uh, that was actually him dying. I was there that day, dressed you know in case he didn't want to do it. But that he was pretty much doing all the all of his own death scenes. I think he really wanted to wanted to do it as well, you know, for the sentimental value. Wow. Now I'm wondering uh, when when they killed him off. Did you guys feel the same way about him that we did when they killed him off? I mean, were you as shocked as us? Absolutely. I mean, he was so he was so loved by not not only the the, the, the cast and crew and you know the, the, the producers, but as I'm watching the show, I re, I'm realizing how much like fan fanfare he's getting. He's getting the, the fans loved him. Oh yeah, we, we we didn't like him at first. At first, we didn't like him, but by the oh, yeah. end, oh, yeah. we loved him. You know, they well, did a great but job you, you, you always know when somebody opens the way that he did that there's something underlying the surface there, right? That was the best part about him was you kind of knew right from the beginning that he wasn't really a dink, but that we still had right. something to discover about why he was a dink. Yeah, I think I think he I think he had one of the best character arcs. In, in, Star, in Star Trek history, really, when you, when you think about it, um, he he starts off as this character who is he's the one that that's in the way of Riker and Picard and 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 everybody, and we're like, oh god, this guy is such a you know he's he's going to be a problem, and then you start realizing why he is the way he is, and I think everyone starts feeling for him, and then he he kind of comes around, he. He defies orders as well, and he's just like, okay, this guy kicks ass. He's a warrior. Yeah, he's a he's a dipshit from Chicago, as what he said. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, but I love that. I love I love when you first meet him, and he's, he's, he's there eating a steak, and he's just like Mr. Macho, and he's just like not. He's, he's, it's it's Captain Picard and and, and Riker. Like have some respect. He's just like no. He's just like you guys. Yeah, you guys. I've I've read about what you've done and you know your your adventures and you know that that whole line. And I, I was he was just like man. He's really giving it to him. He does not give a crap. No, and and as fans, we we picked up on that and we we did not like him. But by the time they killed him, <laughs> things were different. <laughs> Big time. We, we, we yeah, really like fell I, in love with him. Yeah, like I said, I think I think Terry Metalis did an excellent job. Um, I, I don't want to say the word saving this show because I think the first two the first two seasons weren't as good as this season. I'm, I'm sure you guys can agree with me there. Right. Now, Chris, did, did you get did you know what was going to happen beforehand, or 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 did you learn? to have the story unfold for you as you went along. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer because I really wanted to watch the show and I'm, I'm sitting there reading my sides, you know, the little, the, the, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but the, they, they give you what's called sides at the beginning of your day to where you read the scenes that are being shot that day. And I'm, re- I'm reading the script and just, just, these, just these scenes that we're shooting. And I'm just like, 
Oh man. Oh wow. So this is the. Oh gosh. So it's, it actually is the Borg. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. I'm like no. I'm like come on. Like spoiler. Yeah. So I was I was a little I was a little yeah I was a little upset that I just got the biggest spoiler of you know the, of the season. <laughs> but, but I mean that must be a thing all the time in your line of work though, right? You're you're like not it, it necessarily is. insulated from that. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. Like you know, working on like some Marvel stuff recently, you know, you, you kind of find out you know what's going on before it hits the news, and you're just like, oh wow, really? Okay, like. Shoot, okay. Like it, ha- it happened when I was working on She-Hulk. I, I did some days on She-Hulk, and you find out that Daredevil coming back. It's like, oh, what? Like, man. <laughs> All right. So you knew, well, but, you yeah. knew about you knew about Jack Crusher and the Borg like like ages before the rest of us. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I couldn't say a thing <laughs> to anybody. Wow. But, but, yeah. Wow. Talk about talk about. Spoiler. Wow. We are the Borg. Yeah. Lower your shields yeah. and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to serve as us. Resistance is futile. Pretty much. exactly how I felt. It's exactly how I felt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, did you also know who they were going to bring back to play the Borg Queen as well? Uh, you know that that was that was what I, you know I didn't actually because you know um, Annie Wershing played her in season um, I'm sorry what was it season two they had her had Annie Wershing yep. playing her and then I thought she was great you know and 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 then she I, we had no idea she had cancer like how how about how about that spoiler like that we were like so yeah. when we yeah. found that out. We we were so like me and my buddies who worked on the show were like, did you guys know? We were like, no, we had no idea. Apparently, she she had it all throughout filming. You know, yeah, we were you know. we were stunned yeah. when, when we heard when we heard that, and I I thought it was very tasteful that they dedicated the first episode to her. Yes, very very tasteful. Yeah, it was. That was and um, yeah. So I didn't know what they were. I honestly. I didn't. I didn't know that they were bringing back. Um, um, blah 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 blah. Alice Creed. Yes, Alice Alice Creed. Um, until I saw until I saw the show, so they they kept that under wraps from all of us. And because I I wasn't there the day that they shot they shot her scenes. I think they did it. They, they may have done it all like remote or on green screen or something. And. And I, I only, I only, I only worked on the board ship doubling Riker. That um, that last scene with him and Worf, when the when the two Borg, uh, you know, awaken and they have to fight them. So I was I was Riker's double on that day, and that's when I, I that's kind of when that, oh that was the day that I found out that the Borg was was behind everything. <laughs> <laughs> We'll call that day. No. <laughs> exactly. And then I and then I show up on the uh, on, on the board on the board ship, and you know, believe it or not, they did so well. The um, construction crew and the art department, they did so well building these these corridors for these ships. You know, it was only 
like not it was like it was like the, the main the main room of the tight of the bridge of the titan and then they had like a corridor that they kind of used and just used it in repeat and that was about it for the sets and then they had another set for the board ship on, an, on another stage and that was literally one corridor with a little rounded corner that was you know once you rounded that corner of the corridor it was only about maybe eight feet of room and then they just used that that same set again and turned the cameras around to make it another area of the ship so it was very small as, as big as it looked and then then you get in that bigger room where the board queen was and that was actually a big room but for the most part it was it was so small they they condensed so much on those sets and it was actually a lot it was, it was tough to fight and do some of the um choreography and stunts and uh we had to i think cut some of the stuff because um michael uh um, michael and um well just michael mostly when he was using his sword to to fight the borg it was very tight in there so we had to cut a lot of the choreography so uh, matt mullins our, our fight choreographer had a lot a lot more cool stuff for him to do but we just couldn't in that tight space and uh, but i think what we shot came out really cool so uh when you were when you were on the borg ship did, did quinn as Worf get to kill you as a borg as well no no i was never a borg but um a couple other guys uh who who were also other characters in the show or doubling or just regular goons dying they were they were Borg as, uh, for that scene. So they, they got killed a couple of times in the show as, as well. So were you working, were you working on set when Jonathan Frakes was directing? And, and if so, what, what was it like to be directed by him? Okay. Here's my, can I talk about my first time meeting Jonathan Frakes? Absolutely. So Guy Fernandez, our stunt coordinator, he, he knows I'm a big fan. He knows that I have all of the action figures from the next generation, the original, the original suits, you know, and uh, he, I, I told him, I was like, man, I got, I got to get them to sign these, these action figures my dad gave me. It would just be, you know, a blessing because, you know, my dad gave me these back in 1991 and he said, keep these in the box. It's going to come in handy one day. <laughs> and then 30 years later or a little less than 30 years later wow. i'm on i'm on set of star trek picard with the next generation cast and i i i, I and it's uh jonathan frakes is prepping his episode that i'm going to be in doubling shaw where shaw gets blown across the room and guy fernandez calls me up he says hey come to come to a uh, set or come to the stages. You know, I live down the road from the stages at Santa Clarita Studios. So I jet down there. He's he's like, bring your bring your little toy. Or <laughs> and I'm like, well, what you want? I've got eight of them. You know. <laughs> he's like, bring bring Riker. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, oh my god. So I'm like sweating bullets. I get there and I come up to the stunt coordinator's office, and he's like, all right, follow me. He's like, Frank's is you know at his office. So I get there, and he's like, Frank's, I got to introduce you to your stunt double, and Frakes looks at me and he goes, this handsome devil. He's like, you did well, guy. You did well, you know. And <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a big, he is, he's a big kid. You know, he gets up, he shakes my hand. He's like, how you doing? He's like, you're a really handsome man. I'm glad that you're doubling me. And, you know, he's really fun. He's fun you know, he is. And, um, and then he looks at, he looks at this action figure. He goes, Oh no, what do you got there? <laughs> and I went, well, hear me out. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I got this when I was about 
11, 12 years old, you know, my dad gave it to me, you know, he's passed away now for about 10 years now. And it would just mean the world to me if you signed it, because I think it's, you know, honoring him. And he's like, Oh, he's like, well, I can't say no to that. He's just like, sit down, sit down, sit down. He's like, well, wouldn't he start talking to me about my dad a little bit? And it was really nice. And he's like, well, who should I make it out to you or your dad? I'm just like, Oh man, that's a tough question. Uh, I was like, well, I think my dad would want you, would, would want you to make it out to me. He's just like, all right, all right good. You know. So that was my first time meeting him. And then um, I was doubling him on a day where I, it was not, not a big stunt. It was, I think it was a day where he and he was being brought on board to meet um, Amanda Plummer's character. And he was being pushed around by that big, that big old, you know, strapping alien. Uh, I forget the name of that, of those, um, of those aliens, the, the, the bird people, the big people. <laughs> but um, uh, I didn't end up doing anything because he did all of his own stunts there. I think, I think he gets punched by him, but yeah, so I doubled him on that. But then as I'm meeting him, he goes, actually, you'd be a great Shaw double too. And that's how I got, that's how I got the job doubling Shaw. And he was directing that episode and, when I did that stunt of Shaw flying across the room, it was, I mean, we, we rehearsed it, uh, you know, one day about three days prior and we did it with, you know, pads and the wire work and everything. We, we, we timed it out, did it, did it well. And we just showed up on the day and uh, they come up to me and they're like, Hey, Frank wants to do this take just once. And I'm like, all right, cool. They're like, all right, don't mess it up. <laughs> no pressure. So He's in there. He's in his. He's in his vibe. He's like. He's like. Yeah. You're. You're. You're looking this way. Then you're looking that way. And then it, it shoots you. And then you're. You know. The your, your explosion happens. And you gotta. You gotta hit this console here, and it's gonna bust up your knee. And I'm like, all right, great. Let's do it. I did it in one take. Boom. He comes out. And he goes, oh, your your leg is gone. That leg's gone. He's like, you're, yeah, you're 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 almost dead. Yeah, that leg that leg's gone. He's like, let's move on. That was a great take. <laughs> <laughs> he's just. He's such an animated guy. He's really he's really into directing, and he, he lets you know it. And it was a lot of fun. So one take nailer is that what we can call you now? I think my I think my boss called me one take nay nay because my last name is <laughs> nay. You know, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, one take nay nay. Yeah, so it was good. It was a it was it was a good one. Really good stunt. Good for my uh, my stunt reel, and it's on it's on there already. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that one. Since you brought up uh, Captain Shaw, oh, uh-huh. Todd Stashwick, when he, when he landed the role of Captain Shaw, you know, mm-hmm. was, was he a fan? And what was he like on the set? I think he was. You know, I think I didn't get to talk to him too much because he was so into this role, and I think he liked that just as an actor in general. But I don't know if you guys follow him, but he is a he is a big he is a big nerd, you know, and like he's he's awesome. He he has like D and D nights. He I think he does Magic the Gathering, all this stuff. He is he is really cool in that aspect. But I didn't get a chance to talk to him that much just because he was really into this role. He was mem- memorizing his lines a lot. But I I do after following him on social media, I saw that he is he's one of us. And I, I, I think I do believe that he is a, an avid Star Trek fan. Well, I, I know that he is because the first episode where you met him, where we all hated him, and uh-huh. uh, he had a tweet, a tweet of him at the table with Riker and Picard, and uh, I, I, I said, I said, well, look, Riker, Picard, Seven, and Captain Shaw, someone's not walking out of that room alive. 
Well, he, uh, <laughs> he texted me back at the end of the episode. We well, didn't text you, but he tweeted. He said, guess who's still alive? <laughs> oh, like, that's great. Wow. That is so cool. He read it, and he answered me. And I was like, that just impressed me that he took the time to do that. And it impressed me. That's like, so wow. cool. I hope, he listens, I hope he listens to this. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I was like, that is really cool. Well, Eric, yeah. uh, do you have any questions you want to ask Chris? Because I can babble on for the rest of the night. Do I have any questions? Do we have enough time in this podcast? Of course I have questions. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. It's been uh, so cool to hear you kind of get get warmed up here. I love One of the reasons we love having guys like you on the podcast is that we love to hear all the inside info, right? All the little stories that you won't oh, yeah. even find on the internet, no matter how hard you Google. So um, yeah. we, really, we really appreciate that. I guess maybe since Jim has covered Trek pretty well, what I'll do is I'll pivot just a little bit. First of all, She-Hulk, that's not on your IMDb, so spoiler alert, <laughs> I didn't know that you were in that. Where were you in She-Hulk? You know, I, I was uncredited because I, I got called in to do reshoots. Um, they, they needed to do some reshoots for some fight scenes, and I got called in only to do some previs work. And uh, I'm not sure if you know what previs is, but it's it's, you know, just – the stunt people getting together and shooting a pre-visualization of the, of the action scene that we're doing. And I was just called in because I was a big guy. I needed a big guy to uh, emulate She-Hulk. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they didn't, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're putting me on IMDb because they don't want to see that a man, you know, stepped in to double She-Hulk. <laughs> so, sure. Sure. It makes sense. Disney's, I think that's, yeah, that's Disney's way of doing it. But that's a little insider scoop, you know what I mean? I don't mind sharing that at all because I don't think, you know, Disney's going to sue me for that. But uh, it's, uh, that's, that's pretty much uh, what I, I did about a, a week and a half on that, or on, those, on those reshoots and just, just pre-visualization. I was never on camera as a She-Hulk or I was never in like a, a mocap suit or anything. That's cool, but you're, you know, still involved in that creative process, right? You, like without oh, yeah. you, the process wouldn't, move forward so you know whether or not Absolutely. you get a screen credit i i think it's pretty cool that you're involved in that sort of stuff yeah so uh obviously you've got uh you know in, to your credit luke cage you did quite a few episodes you've got 13 credits on there you did some marvel runaways so there you got two credits at least in the marvel mm-hmm. universe maybe more then you got a little dc credit here and there you got some black lightning you got some doom patrol so as a nerd, number one, are you a comic guy? Yeah, you know, I was growing up. I, I did. I I got the whole run of the Death of Superman, from the Death of Superman to his resurrection, and the whole that whole series of the Man of Tomorrow and uh, Last on the Krypton and Superboy. I'm not sure if you guys remember that. that oh run. yeah, for sure. I got all that stuff. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah. So that was my favorite, and then I just started collecting them here and there, and I read them and then I, I, yeah, I got into high school and I got kind of out of it, you know, puberty hits and you get into sports and um, that's, you know, I kind of accrued my stunt work to being an athlete growing up as I got older, but I was still a nerd at heart for sure. So then uh, you've done Marvel and DC. It sounds like you've mentioned one DC. Do you have a preference? Are you a Marvel or a DC guy or you love both equally? I tell you what, man, DC for sure. I mean, that's yeah. that's where my comic that's where my comic book fascination start fascination started. 
Um, I was a big Superman fan. Um, all, you know, loved Batman. Um, it's still, those are the top two for sure. I hate to sound so cliche, but my wife's a big Batman fan as well. Um, our, our house is literally covered with, you know, either Batman or, um, you know, and well, we have a lot of cats too. So we have a lot of cat stuff <laughs> up, but, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, she actually, her license plate says Batman, you know, that's how much of a Batman fan she is. Wait, so your wife can can literally say, I'm Batman? Exactly. And she does say that a lot. I love it. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, I love that. So, yeah, I'm, uh, well, you know, there's there's a lot of, um, uh, I guess, not competition. What is that? Friendly competition, I guess, out there. So, yeah, DC guy. There you go. Thank you so much. And uh, Jim already asked you if you were a Trekkie. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pivot back to your stunts and I'm going to say, what is the like most dangerous or most interesting stunt that you have done so far in your career? Let's see. The most interesting one was, I think, well, right now, well, I'll, I'll, go for, I'll, I'll go back to 20, 2019. I got to double the hound uh, from Game of Thrones on the Jumanji sequel. So that actor, Rory McCann, I got to double him and fight The Rock, which was pretty awesome. Mm. And it wasn't a, a crazy big fight scene, but I got to, I got to fight him, meet him, really nice guy. Uh, me and his stunt double took a dive off of a like a 15 foot, uh, you know, uh, platform and onto some pads. That was a lot of fun. And that was the coolest. And then I, I got to tell you, like working on Star Trek was awesome. Like doing that stunt for Shaw, that was a really, really great stunt for my stunt career, but just, you know, the, the cinema value of being on a Star Trek set was really great. And I, and then, and then I have to go into today. I mean, uh, right now, the job I'm doing right now, I'm double, I'm stunt doubling Will Ferrell, which is an awesome <laughs> accolade to my resume. So Whoa. that's like, yeah. So it's really cool. Wow. Your resume is just yeah. like building and building right now. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of in my prime right now, which is awesome. Well, uh, that is why we have you here, my friend, because we are enjoying your work and we would like to celebrate it. Thank so <laughs> thank you so much for coming Appreciate on. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, let me let me ask you a couple more questions and I'm going to pass you along to, uh, to Charles here. So um, you were talking about the Borg sets and I'm I'm just curious, do they look as cool like up close as they do on screen or do they, you know, is there like a oh, I can tell this is a set, like when you're standing there in person. No, I'm just curious. No, yeah. it, 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 it looks like you're on a spaceship. It looks like you're on a Borg spaceship. It was so cool. And me being the, the Star Trek fan of the stunt crew, like I was, I was the one mostly in awe. Like the other guys are just there for the job and it's great, <laughs> but and they, they, you know. But it's for me. I'm I'm going like, oh my gosh, look, at the, we're, we're, I'm inside a board cube right now, and they're like, cube, like, what are you talking about, cube? I'm like, dude, like, are you guys, you guys are such dorks, man. Like, geez, God, why can't you get, you know, I'm I'm like calling them dorks for not knowing, you know, right? For them not knowing because anymore. you're in charge when you're on the Star Trek set. <laughs> exactly, you know, and 
it was it was really cool to walk onto that set and be like, this is so cool. I mean, even, and then I mean, I mean, here's the icing on the cake: seeing 1701D in in person. I got, I got. I mean, I'm getting chills right now talking about it. But when I saw that, I had to sneak on stage to see that. By the way, so I. I uh, I was told by Matt Mullins, the fight coordinator. He's like, "Hey, go on stage three real quick and just peek peek in there. There's no there's no one around right now. You, you can get in there and, and look." And I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" She's, she's like, "Just just go, just go." And so and so I get in there and I'm just like, I'm almost like blinded by the light type of feeling, you know. And I go in there and I'm just like, "No way!" And so I, I I'm like so scared. I, I snap a quick picture with my phone, but I'm like so worried about getting caught. I was like, I don't, I don't think I slept that night. You're <laughs> <So, laughs> like, there were cameras, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but they, you know, they were pretty cool. It wasn't like yeah. I think they they, yeah. they make you feel they make you feel a little bit more scared when you're filling out the NDA and you're reading all sure. that stuff. But for the most part, they're just like, eh, it's whatever, you know. Um, well, they just they just don't want people to like ruin anything, right? That's the main. Concern. No, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't put it on social media. You can't send it to people and stuff like that, and because it'll get out, but. Um, I mean, I, th- I think people had an idea that was coming anyway, just because they got the whole cast back and, and all, and they, they kind of announced the whole casting back pretty early. So, um, I think people did have some kind of an idea, but it was, it was really cool to finally see it in the show and I brought it back. I thought it was really cool. Ter- I got to give credit to Terry Metallus, man. He's, he really did awesome writing on that, on that season. Yeah, I don't think anybody on this podcast would disagree with you. All right, um, so last question before I pass you along. Uh, this is a very important headcanon question because we don't know the answer to this, and so we need mm-hmm. you to concoct your best answer to this. <laughs> I'll try what, my best. What did Worf do to the Enterprise E? I don't know. Isn't that... <laughs> but what's your headcanon? What's your head game? Oh, oh my gosh, man! <laughs> I, I wish I knew. That, that, that's got to be something that Terry knows for sure. And he, you would he think, didn't right? tell me. Yeah, he didn't tell me. He didn't tell anybody. But maybe we'll get it in a future uh, a future episode of uh, Star Trek Legacies if that's a, if that's going to be a thing. Who knows? I, th- I know they're speculating, but I think that was the plan going ahead. Was that they were really going to try to try to extend this Picard universe. Well, I love it. I, we we re- all really enjoyed Picard season three. We all enjoyed the work that you did on it, which was amazing. And thank you so much for chatting with me. I'm going to pass you right along to Charles here. So Charles, take it away, buddy. All right. Well, Eric just caught my, one of my first questions. No. I was going <laughs> to ask Pat if he got to, if he got to see the, uh, 1701D. Yeah, I did. And uh, yeah, it was just, like I said, it was so surreal seeing it. And, you know, I saw it with nobody on the set, which was, I thought, kind of special. I, I wish I could have, I wanted to walk on it, but I didn't. I, I ended up seeing some pictures of people who actually sat in the chairs. And I was just like, oh, you bastards. I should have, <laughs> I should have done it. You know, and I, I just, I was too scared. I was too scared. And I think it was just a lot of my childhood coming back to it. It was just, I was just shocked at the moment. So I had to just see it with my eyes, take it in. And it's a memory that'll last with me for the rest of my life. Oh, I imagine. What's interesting mm-hmm. that you mentioned about doing one take with breaks and it's like, 
okay, that's unusual because we have so common, constantly heard the phrase, two takes break. Yeah, no, he, I, yeah, for sure. I've heard that too. Um, he's He's been known for directing for quite some time now. And, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I heard, I've heard that expression as well. But this is my first time working with him. And I know that my stunt was such a, an intricate stunt to do in it. They didn't really want to reset that whole set again. So I had to really, we had to really dial it in and, and get it right yeah. in rehearsals. So it's important to, to get that done. Now, I think we did do a pickup shot of me actually having my leg hit the console because they really wanted to emphasize that Shaw really messed up his leg. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Well, you, you want to get you. Uh, here's one that you probably laugh at with freaks. He. Okay, we're getting we're getting to the first Star Trek invention, where they've actually been doing filming of Picard with season one. Mm-hmm. He walks on stage, and you see the shirt. You see that his shirt, which says, "I signed an A." I signed an NDA. Don't ask me. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And you sit there talking about not being able to say stuff. But it was, I understand completely about you can't say anything. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he and I got to be, we got to go to uh, Los Angeles on the world premiere Pre, pre, pre-release of Picard season one when they released the first three episodes. Oh, well, that's and we awesome. walked we walked out of that theater and said, "There's so much we want to talk about, and we can't talk to anybody but those people in the room." It didn't <laughs> the yeah, I think uh, you broke. You, you bro- you uh, you broke up a little bit there at the end, but I, I think you said that you were, could only talk about it to the people who were in that room with you. And that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, and, I, and I I I agree. It's so frustrating because you want to get so much out there. You want to. I mean, you even want to go on your your Twitter and your fans and of the podcast, and you want to talk about it, but you can't. And uh, I, I think that's the joy of. What's, go it ahead. wasn't the point we couldn't. But nobody wanted to hear it. It's like, no, no, don't spoil it for me. Don't tell me what happened. I don't want to know. I want to be surprised. Like, okay, be surprised. But yeah, you're going to enjoy yeah. it. Of course, that's that's all you can. That's all you can do is tell people to just wait and see it, and the anticipation will rise. <laughs> so fans out there, when you get that chance to get that preview before it actually gets released to the public. It's an interesting feeling to walk out of there and thinking, I can't say anything. Because you don't get to see <laughs> one episode. You may get two episodes. You might get three. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I, totally, I totally get it. Um, especially when it's something as cool as Star Trek. And yeah. I think it's the same way with all the, with all the Marvel stuff too, when you work on those things and, you know, you can't talk about it, and um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. I know, especially in the in the day that we live in with social media and everything, and that's that's why they do it. So, 
Yeah, I, I get it. Well, Chris, is it in general, is it more fun to like to do it or is it more fun to see the finished product? Is that a question you can even answer? Yeah, well, it, it, it is a little bit of both. I think it's, yes, it's really fun to do it. But then again, like I said, be, being spoiled does suck. And then, but, <laughs> but, you do, but, but you do want to, but you do can't, but you don't see the whole process of it happening. You know, you once, once, like there were, there were some scenes that I didn't see. Like, like, like I said, I had no idea that um, Alice Creed was the board queen and they brought her back and, I was like, I was surprised by that, but I knew that the board queen was going to be there. I just didn't know how they were going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they will toss it back over to Eric and Jim, see if they've got any last burning questions. Thank you. Well, actually, actually, Chris, I have to ask you a question for my wife. You don't Go mind? Um, she, she, for some reason, she's afraid to come on the pod, but I don't get it. But I, <laughs> Because she's been on the podcast before, Jim. <laughs> She'll pop her head in and tell me to take out the garbage, let in the dog, blah, blah, blah. But she, she will talk on the podcast. Yeah, I can relate. I, can I don't relate. know. I don't get it. Uh, my wife is a huge fan of 911, and I noticed in your credits that you've, you've been on the show. What, what, what exactly, what can you tell us about 911 Lone Star? And, and what your part on it was? Yeah, I was uh, I was called by the stunt coordinator for season one. His name is Jim Vickers, and he was looking for an assistant uh, to his coordinating. And I had I had some uh, some experience assisting uh, the cor- the stunt coordinator uh, the stunt department. And uh, he he called me up. He he got my resume from somebody, and he just needed help uh, coordinating the show and hiring people. And then when he met me. He was like, oh, wow, you'd actually be a really good Jim Parrick double. So I, I doubled Jim Parrick a couple of times on the show. And uh, that was that was my my stint on 911 Lone Star. I only worked season one because I don't think um, I don't think Jim worked the rest of those seasons. I think the show is still on, isn't it? Oh, yeah. My wife yeah. watching it right now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I got to, I got to ride in the, uh, in, in the fire engine. That was, that was kind of a dream come true too, because when you're a kid, you love firemen and fire engines. So mm-hmm. got to, got to ride in the fire truck. That was really cool. And, um, yeah, that was just a, that was a really, really fun show to be on for season one as well. Yeah. My, my wife loves that show. She wanted me to ask you. So I did. I mm-hmm. asked them. Dear. Yeah. All right. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> I got to so do what the boss says. <laughs> now she's got to listen to the podcast later to find out what he said. Yeah, that's right. She doesn't know what you said, and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, you signed oh. an NDA. <laughs> that's right. I can't talk. <laughs> so, Chris, um, it's just just amongst us here, no, there's no one else listening. You don't got to worry about it. But. <laughs> No, no one else is going to hear your answer to this question. Okay, but um, so uh, did you did you keep anything from the set? And remember, it's just amongst us guys here. No one else is going to hear you. No, I didn't. You know, i i got I got to get. Let's see. I got I got Frakes to sign my uh, my action figure, and I got Michael Dorn to sign my action figure. Oh, nice. And I I just was so mad at myself because I, I didn't know 
sometimes you don't know who you're going to be working with when when you when you when you get the call that you're working a certain day, and you don't know until you show up. And I should have kept the rest of my action figures that I had in my car with me, but I show up to set one day, and the entire cast is there. Oh. <laughs> oh. The entire cast, and I'm. <laughs> They all have their uh, we're we're in between takes and they all have their actor act their their all all their cast chairs are out and they all come and they sit one by one at their cast chairs. There's you know Brent Spiner, there's Lavar, there's Michael, of course. I already I had already met Michael and there's you know just everybody you know Marina and you know, Gates and I'm like oh my god it's like I'm I'm so dumb. <laughs> they're and literally just, lined up in a row. <laughs> they're literally lined up right there. Yeah, I was so upset, but I, I'm grateful that I got uh, Michaels and, and, and Frakes, and I did get to. I, I did have. I had a great little conversation with uh, with Patrick Stewart. Nice, nice guy. Oh, Chris, are they are they as fun? Are they as fun when they're together on set as they as they appear to be at conventions and things? Like, are they really that close? Yeah, no, they are. They all they all sat down together. They all. We're, we're chatting together like they've just were, you know, coming back for another day. It was really cool to see. Wow. And let me, yeah. Since you work on the show, um, does it take any of the, of the realism out of it when you watch, for instance, when, when the Titan gets attacked and Shaw flies across the bridge and you know that that's you, does that take you out of the show or are you still able to enjoy it as a fan? No, I still enjoyed the entire thing as a fan. I, I watched it from beginning to end, every episode. I, you know, a lot of stunt people will just be like, you know, oh, oh let me watch my scene, and that's that, you know. And, I, and I've had moments of, like that, too, on, on shows that I don't watch that I worked on. But for the most part, I, when it came to, to the show, I watched beginning to end every episode. Wow, that that's awesome. Yeah. That, did you watch them? Did you watch them live, like the fans, or did you did you watch all? Did you binge them all? No, I I watched them uh, every 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 week that they came on. Uh, every every week that they premiered a new episode, I I woke up early that morning to watch it. Wow, that that is so cool. That 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 yeah. I love to hear that actually. Yeah, I really do. Like I said, I was I, I, I was a fan, and I, I had high hopes for this season as well, because I think season one and two I did I did enjoy season one and two, but I didn't enjoy it as much as this season, for you know reasons known. <laughs> oh, is there any is there any chance that we might see you on say Strange New Worlds, for instance, or or uh, I doubt you know, it. Any um, of the other shows I, that are coming out. No, or can you, know, you not they, tell us? No, no, I can tell you. Um, I I know that they filmed those shows in Canada, uh, Strange New Worlds and Discovery, and I think Discovery is about to end, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so but but those, they shoot those shows in Canada, and those are strictly Canadian stunt performers that work on those shows just for uh, you know um, you know tax reasons. They need to have local stunt performers there. Uh, Interesting. And I've and I've recently moved to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, because there's a, there's just a lot of filming going on here. So I'm not in I'm not even in Los Angeles anymore. Hmm. Oh wow! Oh wow! Neutral zone. 
Yeah. Yep, the, the neutral zone. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right, well, believe it or not, Chris, we've we've burned through our hour of time. That's hard to believe, isn't it? It really is, man. It's, it was a lot of fun talking to you guys about this because, you know, I'm, I'm not just a stunt man. I'm a I'm a Star Trek fan, so. And and you got you got to be on the boldest trek of all the the, the reunion tour, I guess you could call it. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, incredibly grateful that you know I. It's it's weird because I I didn't work season one or two, but I, I lived right down the road from where it was happening, and I kept. I kept bugging the stunt coordinator, who was my buddy, to get me on, and he he said he couldn't he couldn't do it this season because there was nobody for me to double or not nothing for like a big you know six three six four you know white guy, and uh, finally I you know season three comes around and you know Frakes is my height and Shaw uh, Todd is about an inch an, an inch uh, less tall than me, and so I got to double them, and then and then and then I was I was just. I get, kept getting thrown into these other little small roles that I'm totally grateful for. Well, we're we're definitely grateful uh, for you and and the Quinn both because you guys are awesome and you're so much fun to talk to. And for for us to find out that there's actually fans, people that love the show as much as we do, is just it's awesome to hear that. So thank you so much. Yeah. Like I feel like you're welcome, guys, and thank you so much for having me. This is a this is really a dream come true. I went to my first convention with my dad, you know, back in 1994, and um, I got to meet uh, James Duhon, and you know, that was oh, nice. you know that that was that was really cool. He was at the convention in Florida that we went to, and um, and then you know my dad getting me those figures. Who knew that later? <laughs> yeah. It's a small world, isn't it? It really is. Definitely. It really is. Well, yeah. thank, you. thank you so world. much, Chris, <laughs> for uh, sharing some time with us and taking it out of your busy schedule to Trek Talk with us. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, guys, um, anytime, and I hope to see you at, at a convention one day. Awesome, Chris. Uh, thank you. Here. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chris. Awesome. Kapla. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your show. You too. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, guys. So that was Chris Naylor, and we've just finished up talking about Star Trek Picard season three. But guess what? We're not done yet. Oh, no, no, no. We still have our Star Trek birthdays to go through, which means we have to do this. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys. We always start off our Klingon, or not our Klingon birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Jim's got a one-track mind. (laughs) I've got Klingons on the brain. Um, We always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. 
Yeah, Jim, tonight we have five members of our Star Trek community that we're going to be remembering. Our very first is actress Sally Kellerman, uh, who we lost just last February, February 2022, at the ripe old age of 84 years old. She was the actress who portrayed Elizabeth Denner in the TOS first season episode, Where No Man Has Gone Before, also known as the other pilot. Um, she's probably best remembered for portraying Major Margaret Hotlips Houlihan in the 1970 MASH movie. A uh, different actress, of course, portrayed uh, her in the television show Loretta Swit, you will remember. But Sally Kellerman was the original Hotlips. She was uh, originally attracted to per- the performing arts after seeing Marlon Brando in the film Viva Zapata in 1952. And in the 1960s, uh, prior to her actually becoming a actress, she started a singing career and actually has uh, or had a recording contract with Verve Records at the time. Um, she was only 18 years old, but because of stage fright, she was kind of unable to do performances. So she got the record deal, but could not actually do the performances. So eventually that deal lapsed, and she dove very deeply into acting. And she has a lot of acting credits to her name. You should go check it out, both television and movie stuff. One kind of interesting uh, bit of trivia is that uh, Grand Funk Railroad actually has a song called Sally, uh, written by Mark Farner of the gang uh, of the uh, the band, of course. And that song, Sally, is actually about Sally Kellerman. So. If you didn't know that before, go listen to the song Sally by Grand Funk Railroad. Happy birthday, Sally Kellerman. We miss you. We love you. And uh, thank you so much for being in Where No Man Has Gone Before. Also saying happy birthday this week to actor John Abbott. John Abbott lived to be 90 years old. He was an English actor who, who portrayed Aylborn in the TOS first season episode, Errand of Mercy. Now, Listen, John Abbott was a very, very talented and uh, prolific uh, Shakespearean actor, theater actor. He worked steadily from the 1930s to the 1980s, amassing dozens of television guest appearances and movie roles, almost 150 in total. Uh, He was particularly active in the 1960s television scene with guest appearances in many of the shows of that era that we would typically mention. He was also a commercial artist when he substituted for a sick friend in an amateur production which was seen by the actress Sybil Thorndike who recognized his potential. That is actually how he got discovered. Um, He was in several Shakespearean things from the 30s to the 40s to the 50s, broke out in Love's Labor's Lost and Twelfth Night, uh, did some Hamlet along the way, made a couple of movies, but uh, eventually uh, appears in two Oscar Best Picture winners, uh, Mrs. Miniver from 1942 and Gigi from 1958. If you haven't seen that movie, you should absolutely see that. When the war broke out in uh, the 40s, he was attached to the British, British em- Embassy in Stockholm, where he was in coding and decoding, and he actually was blacklisted in the 1950s as part of that whole situation there. Um, 
But in his later years, he moved from acting into teaching acting, and many, many people learned from him. So a uh, very, very talented actor. John Abbott lost in 1996 at the ripe old age of 90 years old. We do miss you, John. Thank you for portraying Aylborn in Errand of Mercy. We're also saying uh, happy birthday this week to Robert Lansing. Uh, he was the actor who played Gary Seven in the original series, second season episode, Assignment Earth. And I know you know who Gary Seven is. What a great episode. There was a whole comic book thing recently that we reviewed that included Gary Seven, so we kind of got to see Robert Lansing's visage revisited in the comics. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but that episode was actually supposed to be the pilot for a possible television series that would have starred Lansing as Gary Seven. Uh, but the the series was was not picked up. And personally, I feel like these days, if Gary Seven had showed up as a character, they would have spun off some sort of uh, show about him. Um, it just would have been super successful. Robert Lansing eventually uh, kind of continued in that same vein in a lot of uh, police, detective, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, in the 1960s, he was in the 87th Precinct. He was in 12 O'Clock High. He was in The Man Who Never Was in 1966. He did some television, of course, as well. But then, uh, actually, the first time I saw him, which I never really realized until later, was in 1985, where he became a regular cast member of the TV series The Equalizer. So if you saw the original Equalizer, he was on that show. In his later years, Lansing served as president of the Players, the New York City Theatrical and Literary Club on Gramercy Park, where his portrait still hangs. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Robert Lansing. Happy birthday as well to Bernie Terry Casey, who played Cal Calvin Hudson. I always have a hard time saying that because my friend always says Hud Calvinson when we play Attack Wing. Calvin Hudson was in the Deep Space Nine second season episode, The Maquis Part 1, also The Maquis Part 2. He was one of those Maquis guys. Um, you would recognize him if you saw him. He was not a Star Trek fan when he was invited to join uh, the show, but the reason that he joined the show was because Avery Brooks was involved, and Casey had always wanted to work with Avery Brooks, so I think it's pretty cool that he admired him for his work on Spencer for Hire and A Man Called Hawk, and then eventually got to work with him on Deep Space Nine. Uh, prior to becoming an actor, Casey was actually a professional football player. He played for the uh, San Francisco 49ers from 1966 61 to 66, and played for the Rams from 67 to 68. He was also a very accomplished painter and uh, actually gave an interview at one point in his career as a pro football player while he was painting, <laughs> which I just think is so cool. Um, in that interview, he basically said that he was playing football for money, but that if he could paint for a living, he would do it. Uh, wow. That's so cool. I absolutely would as well, my friend. Uh, he was an actor and director uh, he was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Never Say Again, and Revenge of the Nerds. He was the first African-American actor to play James Bond's ally, CIA, CIA agent Felix Leiter, in Never Say Never Again from 1983. So uh, eventually became a very influential member of the Screen Actors Guild Union, 
Bernie, Terry, Casey would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Bernie. Happy birthday as well to Jesse Lawrence Ferguson, who played Lutan in the Next Generation first season episode, Code of Honor. This is a deep voice actor broke into show business with a guest role on the popular television series Starsky and Hutch in 1979. And in that same year, he landed his first film role in The Onion Field. Uh, the majority of Ferguson's on-screen and tele- television career took place in the 1980s. Among his roles are guest appearances on shows like The A-Team, Hill Street Blues. Uh, he was also in the 1987 film Prince of Darkness, alongside Lisa Blunt, of course. Um, he was in the 1984 movie The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai in the Eighth Dimension which is a crazy movie if you haven't seen it before. And in 1990, he held the role as Eddie Black in the opening scenes of the film Dark Man, which is one of my guilty pleasures. I just love that movie for some reason. <laughs> and he's in it. Um, he also, like, probably is best well-known other than his uh, Cal... Uh, his Hud, uh, I was say it wrong because of the way my friend says it. His Cal Hudson stuff. Uh, 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 he is sorry, I lost my place here. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Anyway, happy birthday. Uh, I lost it there. Uh, happy birthday and lots of love going out to Bernie. Terry Casey, who would have had a birthday this week. And our final remembrance this week goes out to Jesse Lawrence Ferguson, who played Lutan in the Next Generation first season episode, Code of Honor. Happy birthday to all of these folks. Uh, And those are our remembrances, guys. So, Charles, I'm going to pass that flaming birthday candle over to you for those of us uh, or those folks who are still with us that have birthdays this week. Thank you, Eric. Let's start off with giving a happy birthday to Anthony T. Montgomery, actor from Indianapolis, Indiana, who played Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise. Also portrayed as uh, Mako Sergeant Mayweather. I saw also. Appeared in 97 episodes. Also appeared in 130 episodes of General Hospital. Audition for a regular role on Star Trek Voyager. <clears throat> he did not get it, but was brought back to audition for the, to play the part of Tuvok's son in Voyager's episode, episode Repression. He did not get that role either, but was well-remembered and brought to the audition for the lead in Star Trek Enterprise. And Charles, I'll just say that I feel like Mayweather is one of those characters who always deserved just a little bit more on Star Trek Enterprise. I loved his character. He, he, you'll remember that he was a boomer, which means that mm-hmm. he actually grew up uh, like around asteroids and stuff. So he had this whole thing where he was like used to zero G, and you know he had a different relationship to space than any of the other yep. guys who come from Earth. No, definitely. Happy birthday to Joan Pringle, New York-born New York-born actress who played Rihanna Mayweather in Star Trek Enterprise's second season episode Horizon. Happy birthday to Nikki Cox, played the role of Shazanka in Star Trek Next Generation second season episode Ten Pal. 
who also appeared in earlier times, 45 episodes, also in General Hospital, and also appeared in Terminator 2. Bonnie Turpin, happy birthday, actress who played Swin in the Star Trek Voyager second season episode Tuvix and Resolutions. But I haven't listened to her. I don't know about Eric, but when I did a Google search, IMDb wasn't the first one that popped up. Her first pop-up was Audible. Mm-hmm. Was like, oh, she is a very successful audiobook reader and has a lot of books under her name. She's very popular and very much in demand for her reading. Yeah, she's got a great voice. Happy birthday, Chad Allen, American actor who played Jono in Star Trek's Next Generation episode, fourth season episode, Suddenly Human. Interesting fact when I looked him up. He was a boy he was the autistic boy at the end of Saint Elsewhere. The one who dreamed up the entire series. We're Saint Elsewhere and all of a sudden it's like this whole thing was a big dream. He was that little boy. He was also Charlie Brown. And Happy New Year, Charlie Happy New Year, Charlie Brown. Only signed on for Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, pilot, to earn money for college. He didn't think the series would be picked up, even though it would pay for his college tuition as the season lasted six years. Interesting way to get your college tuition paid for having an acting career that lasts about, having a series act that long. <laughs> Happy birthday to James William... Her colony. Well, let's just call him James Darren. Actor, director, and singer for known for his role as a holographic singer, Vic Fontaine, Church of Deep Space Nine. Vic. Another yeah. one of those characters that like when he first comes on you kinda of think he's ridiculous and then you realize how important he is. Exactly. Darren later starred opposite Star Trek, Star Trek William Shatner in ABC's T.J. Fucker. Irony, Time Tunnel Project TikTok was headed by General Haywood Kirk, played by Whit Basil, who was let, was Mr. Lurie in The Trouble with Tribbles. A little trivia in his, in his list that was interesting. And then finally, I hadn't had an extra one that got didn't get added to my list. And I saw this birthday, I was like, oh, no, I got to wish a, ha- a special happy birthday to Dayton Ward. Author who's done many a Star Trek books, including one of our favorites, Drastic Measure. Mm-hmm. Great book. And now is working on, is now, I'm in the middle of a, his newest book, Discovery Somewhere to Belong. And that's his latest work and the latest addition to our Star Trek novels. And I definitely see a couple of uh, 
references to some of the Star Trek novels in his latest novel. So, I definitely happy birthday to Dayton Ward. Yeah, he's, so, it, I just I just want to like shout out to Dayton Ward. Like I I will say that I think almost universally we have always enjoyed his Star Trek books. And of course, he's a very prolific writer. He's one of these writers that like writes for everything and writes a million books at a time. But I'm particularly excited about this Somewhere to Belong book because this is actually our <clears throat> first Star Trek Discovery book in the 32nd century, right? Second, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, second. Oh, second. second. oh no, you're because right. Michael, you're right. Because yeah. we also talk about Michael's year being out, but... I forgot. Definitely, yeah. but this one... This one also does a nice reference in going back. We talk about, oh, well, they never talk about what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. And this one goes into Discovery's past. Mm-hmm. And so that's an interesting tie-in to the past and the present. So, Eric, in your best uh, Paul impression, who's on your <laughs> list? Well, uh, Paul would have announced, uh, probably much better than me, a happy birthday, a, a fervent happy birthday to actress Michelle Phillips, singer and actress who played Janice Mannheim in the Next Generation first season episode, We'll Always Have Paradise. Great episode, great actress. Happy birthday, Michelle. Happy birthday as well to Kim Rhodes, an actress from Portland, Oregon, my hometown, who appeared on Star Trek Voyager as Ensign Lindsay Ballard, a.k.a. the Kobali Jehetlenya, <laughs> bad pronunciation, in the six-season episode, uh, Ashes to Ashes. So, Kim Rhodes, uh, thank you so much for being from Portland. Thank you for being on Star Trek. Happy birthday to you. Bertila DeMoss, we're also saying happy birthday to you. She is a Cuban-American actress who played Sakona in the Deep Space Nine second season episode, The Maquis, part one and part two, and Marika Wilkara in the Star Trek Voyager six season episode, Survival Instinct. Bertila, I don't know if you know this or not, but in Star Trek Attack Wing, Sakona is one of the most valuable cards available. And in fact, um, your visage is very well known to anyone who plays that game because uh, you give us extra weapon slots. You give us discounts on weapons. Uh, it's amazing. So <laughs> whether you know it or not, Bertila Damas. Thank you so much for being a huge part of Star Trek and a huge part of, like, a really, really ridiculously huge part <laughs> of Star Trek Attack Wing. Happy birthday as well to Micah Guerriers, who plays Felix in the Star Trek Discovery fourth season episode, The Examples. Happy birthday as well to Amrit Kaur, who appeared as Cadet Thera Sidhu in the Star Trek Short Treks episode, Ask Not. Ugh. Love those Short Treks episodes, and Ask Not is another great one. And uh, last on my list, but certainly not least, is the actor Carl Urban. I know you know who he is. He is from New Zealand, and he, of course, played Dr. Leonard McCoy in the Star Trek 2009 movies, all three of them, Star Trek 2009, Into Darkness, and Beyond. 
And uh, I remember hearing a story uh, where uh, the original Bones was watching Carl Urban play his character, and he literally shed a tear because he felt like Carl Urban was doing the character so much justice along the way. He was just doing such a kick-ass job, and I don't think there's anybody on this podcast that would disagree with that supposition <laughs> uh, DeFore- of DeForest Kelly's that um, Carl Urban just did a great job picking up the role, carrying the torch, um, so Carl Urban, thank you so much for being such an awesome Bones and for like just embodying that kind of like DeForest Kelly energy uh, all through it. So happy birthday to oh. you. Let me ask you guys, what, with the exception of Bones, what is your favorite character that he's played in the myriad of movies and characters that he has brought to life? Uh, well... Well, I mean, Lord the, of the Rings, Marvel, yeah, I mean, Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so here's here's my secret thing. Like, I secretly kind of love the new newer Judge Dredd movie because I'm just a ridiculous <laughs> Judge Dredd fan, and I'll pretty much love any version of Judge Dredd that you give me. So I actually loved the fact that um, he got to play Judge Dredd, and that I felt like he did a pretty decent job at it. I guess. Um, but I, when I saw him in Lord of the Rings, I just hit the ceiling. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. He is Aomir. Like they're going to use him as one of these, I mean, he, Aomir is like a side character in some ways in, um, in Tolkien's book, but like, he's still a really important character. And the fact that they brought him in and he did such a kick-ass job in those movies, that's my personal favorite role of his outside of Star Trek. Well, I'm what about have to you, Charles? On that one. I was going to have to agree with Eric. I haven't really gotten into the dress stuff, but other than the board, but definitely Lord of the Rings. Well, I got to tell you, I, I'm a huge, I mean, I love Stallone, and I just, Stallone was dread to me. I couldn't get into Carl's version of dread. <laughs> I like the... The uh, the over yeah, the sure. top Stallone. I mean that original Dread movie was so cool. <laughs> I mean I just I just love it. So you know, but uh, I if you want to see him completely on bones like, you have to watch him in The Boys, and uh, yeah, you, you'll be shocked at the words that come out of his mouth and the way he is on The Boys. <clears throat> it's completely, it's like the mirror universe version of Bones. yeah so i just wanted to throw that out there and i wanted to ask you guys um the uh the last birthday that we had uh amit cower are you a little bit surprised or disappointed that we did not see her as an engineer on Strange New Worlds, didn't you feel like they were setting that up to happen? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I And I, I kind of feel like it was almost like a missed opportunity where they, they should have brought her in. I mean, she did such a great job in, in that. And um, yeah, yeah. So I would completely agree with you. Uh, I would have loved to have seen her continue on. Yeah, like is she? A, I, she's I not a like... chief engineer, and I guess maybe that's what it is. Is like in the shows, 
we mostly get the chiefs of each thing, right? We get the chief engineer, we get the CMO, we get the captain and like all the bridge officers and stuff. So the fact that she wasn't the CMO, did that, or uh, not the CMO, sorry, the chief engineer, did that work against her for being able to show up later because there's only so much screen time that they can give to, you know, ancillary characters? Yeah, we only get 10 episodes, unfortunately. Yeah, but she was but she was great in like the little bit that she was in. So I would have loved to have seen more. And talk about representation, like to have an Indian American engineer on the ship, like kicking ass. That would be awesome, right? That I I was expecting it, but it, we didn't get it. Oh well. So uh, we're gonna move on with our birthdays. I've got a few, but there's some good ones. Uh, speaking of Carl Urban playing Bones. Um, we have his count. We have his counterpart, kind of. We want to say happy birthday to Zachary Quinto, who portrayed, uh, of course, Mr. Spock in Star Trek 2009 Into Darkness and Star Trek Beyond. And I think that Zachary and Carl had this, an awesome on-screen uh, presence together. They really got that that Bones Spock bond going on, and I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, so happy birthday. Zachary Quinto. Um, here's here's a favorite, Jason Isaacs. Yes, happy birthday to Jason Isaacs, British actor <laughs> who portrayed Mirror Universe Captain Gabriel Lorca in the first season of Star Trek Discovery. And that's important because we've never seen Prime Universe Lorca side of the Dayton Ward book, which was fantastic. I want to add, by the way. Um, and I, I, we were all stunned when we found out he was from the Mirror Universe. We knew something was wrong with him. Everyone on the podcast agreed with that. But, my God, I never thought of that. Uh, that was, like, so brilliant when they did that. So, mm-hmm. happy birthday to Jason Isaacs. Um, the next one, I want to say happy birthday to Gary Graham, uh, who played two roles in Star Trek. He played the Ocampa Dr. Tannis in Star Trek Voyager's second season episode, Cold Fire, and Vulcan Ambassador Saval on all four seasons of Star Trek Enterprise. Now, was, was, he, a, was he a stalagmite or wasn't he, Eric? I'm not, I don't remember. <laughs> well, first of all, Jim, it's called uh, Serenite. <laughs> <laughs> that Gary Graham has, I think that bear like mentioning one is that he has done some fan Star Trek stuff. So he was in prelude to Axanar um, as Soval. So he, he not only did that officially, but did that in the fan canon. And then he's also in a band, right? He's in a band, like a Star Trek band or something. Uh, Isn't he part of Sons of Kirk? That's what it is. Yeah. 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 Yep. He is. So it was pretty cool. There was like that day that 
that day that Charles and I went to go see Picard uh, season one after the show was over, I went out to a bar afterwards um, where uh, Sherlock Lofton was, was hanging out and Gary Graham was hanging out. And I got a chance to chat with him just a little bit on the side, nothing like too much, but like in a group of friends who were all standing in a bar, just chatting with one another. And he seemed like a pretty cool guy. So, yeah. Yeah. So happy birthday to Gary Graham. And uh, the last birthday, non-Klingon birthday, because I've got some really good Klingons here. Well, the last non-Klingon birthday is James Callis, who's a British actor who portrayed Maurice Picard and the illusionary Starfleet psychiatrist in his image in Star Trek Picard episodes, The Stargazer, Monsters, and Hide and Seek. But I think I think most people would know him from another role. I think most oh, yeah. people might know him as Baltar <laughs> from Battlestar Galactica 2004, um, the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. He's amazing. All right. He is absolutely so, freaking amazing in that role. I just will say that, like, Baltar was one of my favorite characters from that show. He's just so, so – you, you want to like him, but you hate him. And you know he's slimy, but you kind of like him. <laughs> this is so perfect. It, he was a great character. He uh, he was he was kind of reminiscent of the original Baltar. He um, was from the original. Was, Galactica, I will say know? that the original the original Baltar had a um, a look and a way that he was written that made him seem sinister right from the beginning. This particular version of Baltar, I really liked because it it felt more insidious. It was like as the show went on, you started to discover how bad he <laughs> really was rather than him just kind of being revealed as a, um, quote, bad guy at the beginning, you know? You wanted to like him. You wanted you to did. trust him. You wanted you to. You, but you knew you couldn't. Right, you know? because he was all out for himself. Ah! I loved him. He was such a good character. Yeah, he, he was great. And I always save the Klingons for last, and I've got two pretty good ones here to wrap up our birthdays. Uh, the first one, uh, we want to say happy birthday to Mark Warden, the Canadian actor who played none other than Alexander Rojenko in Deep Space Nine's six-season episode, The Sons and Daughters, and You Are Cordially Invited. For those of you who don't know who Alexander Rojenko is, who is he, Eric? Well, he is the one and only son of uh, Worf, son of Moog. So, uh, yeah, he is the progeny out there who, in my opinion, Worf has done a terrible job of being a father, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, and, in fact, uh, when he shows up on Picard Season 3, he actually, part of his introduction is House of Rojenko. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which I thought was pretty interesting because it's almost like he invented his own little house there, uh, which which I think is cool. Like I'm 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 into that. I'm not sure that the Klingon High Council would recognize that house, but you know, it's cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And um, the last one I think is is the best. I I fell in love with her. And I was so devastated with what happened to her 
Uh, we want to say happy, happy birthday and kapla to the one and only Susie Plaxon. And uh, she's an American actress who appeared in four different roles in three Star Trek series. First, she played Dr. Solar, who was a Vulcan, in the TNG episode, The Schizoid Man. She also appeared as a female version of Q on Star Trek Voyagers, The Q and The Gray. She played an excellent Andorian, Tara, in the Enterprise episode, Ceasefire, uh, which which was great, but but the ultimate character that she played was on TNG as Kalar, Mate of Worf, in the episode The Emissary and Reunion, and then she appeared again in a flashback. Tell you what, when <laughs> when they killed her off in Reunion, oh my God, Ugh. I pissed. Yeah. Oh. You're like, at last, Worf has, like, a chance at love, and then it just doesn't work out. And it didn't work out, as she was such a great character. She was a great um, uh, foil for Worf and all his silly Klingon rituals. And uh, she put him in his place, and and she was a great character, great counterbalance for him. Uh, So happy birthday to Susie Plaxon. All right, guys, that wraps up our Star Trek birthdays, and now it's time for Star Trek. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. All right, guys, all of the stories that we're about to discuss are extremely abbreviated and can be found in their entirety on our Facebook page. David, I mean, Eric, do you want to get us started? I absolutely do. You can now watch all of Star Trek Strange New World Season 1 for free on YouTube if you are in the United States. That's right. Season 2 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds arrives on June 15th, and Paramount Plus is building momentum by making the entire first season available to stream for free on YouTube for a limited time. Watch the whole season for free. They will be available on YouTube until Friday, June 30th, midnight Pacific time. So if you have not had a chance to check out the latest Star Trek available, you should do it. Um... If you're outside the United States, I'm not sure how to do that, aside from finding a friend who has a VPN connection. But, like, if you're in the U.S., you can just go to YouTube, man. It's right there. Super easy. I think that's pretty cool. Definitely. There's a link on our Facebook page that will link you directly to the YouTube video. So you don't even have to search for them. Just go to Trek Talking, go to the article, and all the links for all 10 episodes can be found there. I'll take you right to them. Could we make it any easier? I don't think so. But speaking of Strange New Worlds, Charles has something else to inform us of. Yes. Star Trek Strange New Worlds costume designer on adapting lower deck costume from animation to live action. Strange New Worlds costume designer Bernadette Croft about what might require in the transition and what the uh, 
blank colored animation clothes would look like when they are fitted to real human bodies. The key thing, things to consider were, were we going to use the microprint on the uniform? Should the fabric and colors be the same as Strange New World uniforms? Interestingly, when you see the animation, <clears throat> the color of the pants is charcoal. They're not black. And also the soles of the boots have a distinct logo. Even the way Mariner wears, his, wears her uniform in this nonchalant way, she has, has her sleeves rolled. These are very important references for me, and I always had to take note of these particular things. Mm -hmm. Definitely working hard to get the costume and just to have it right through this one episode. But isn't it cool how, like, you move from animation, which is, um, I don't know, I guess more general? Like, you're not, when you're watching mm -hmm. an animated show, you're not going to look at the detail of the printed pattern on the uniform of the person you're, right? Like, you're just right. not going to do that. But, or they're not like, going to do, or they're not going to create it. Why would they? Because nobody cares. It's all about the story. But when you get into the 4K world of live action, you actually care about what pattern is printed on the uniform. So I think that's pretty cool. Yep, definitely. Yeah, they even so, if you Eric, saw the the brief clip. They even got Boimler's purple hair. Only his his hair isn't as purple as it is on the show, but he does have I purple know. highlights in his hair. I know, but that is interesting, right? Like, the, there's a whole, like, consternation from Star Trek fans about how purple his hair is or isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, Eric, I think you want to talk about Strange New Worlds, too. I do, because Strange New Worlds episode titles, which we have now seen for Season 2, they actually hint at maybe what's happening in Season 2. Perhaps the most anticipated event in Strange New World Season 2 is the crossover episode with Star Trek Lower Decks, which will be in Episode 7 called Those Old Scientists. The title is a callback to a joke in Lower Decks Season 1 finale, No Small Parts, when Commander Jack Ransom, played by Jerry O'Connell, referred to TOS as Those Old Scientists. A sly wink at that abbreviation for Star Trek, the original series, uh, in particular episode 10, Hegemony. The Gorn are major villains in Strange New Worlds, and their civilization is called the Gorn Hegemony. This strongly infers that the Gorn will be back in the Strange New World season 2 finale, episode 2, Ad Astra per Aspera, is a Latin phrase, meaning to the stars through difficulties, which could be the origin story of one of the Epi uh, Enter Enterprise's crew members. Strange New Worlds Episode 8, Under the Cloak of War, ominously hints at another conflict brewing with the Klingons. Strange New Worlds Season 2 premieres June 15th on Paramount Plus. And I just wanted to like dig into this. Uh, we have a little bit of time, so I feel like I'm going to do this. Uh, season two, we have all 10 episode titles here. So, number one, The Broken Circle. The Astra per Aspera, which we just read about. Episode three, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. 
Ooh, that's interesting. Episode four, Among the Lotus Eaters. <coughs> Episode five, Charades, or Charades, depending on how you pronounce it. Episode six, Lost in Translation. Episode seven, Those Old Scientists. There's your TOS. Episode eight, Under the Cloak of War. Episode nine, Subspace Rhapsody. And episode 10, Hegemony, which could not be more Gorn if I had fashioned it myself. So <laughs> there is no question we are going to get some Gorn in season two, and I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I know we had an entire uh, episode a little while ago, maybe maybe Charles <coughs> knows which episode, but that we, we sort of headcanoned a bunch of Gorn stuff after that first season episode that featured the Gorn. And so I am particularly excited to actually bring the Gorn back as part of Strange yeah. New Worlds. I, I feel like I like the new Gorn. I like the fact <clears throat> that they're, um, they're not the original uh, rubber suit you know, rainbow eye Gorn, and they're not the poorly uh, computer animated Enterprise Gorn. They're they're like somewhere in between. So we have we actually now have cool Gorn, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> well, and if you if you want a bit of a laugh, our friend Andy Bray just released a new video about the Gorn by Chekhov's point of view. He gets to kind of look back and find Kirk and find out what happened with uh, Pike. It's like, wait a minute. How did Pike get such cool, vicious Gorn and Kirk, who just boasts about fighting this thing? And it's like, wait a minute. That, was that an old Gorn that Kirk fought? <laughs> a very old Gorn. <laughs> yeah. And I would like to think that Andy got that from our Gorn show. Because... I was wondering. <laughs> I'll tell cool. you guys, I watched that video three times, and I listened to it a fourth time, and I, I never stopped laughing. I think that is one of the funniest <laughs> skits that he has done to date. And Absolutely. In fact, yeah, you guys can find it on our Facebook page, and on Monday, July 10th, we're going to premiere it right here live on the podcast. We're going to have a checking in with Checkoff special, and Andy Bray is going to be here live to talk about that Gorn sketch. So definitely check it out, and definitely tune in on July 10th. I, I even told him, I said that's the best. You nailed it. I never stopped laughing. Hilarious. Yeah. It's it's just perfect. Perfect, perfect. All right, so. Jim. Well why don't you tell us what we can get for our five ninety nine a month with Paramount Plus? Yeah, so I have this Paramount Plus bundle and um uh, I keep hearing about the prices are gonna go up, but my price actually went down um with with showtime. So anyways, here we go. Um this story is with Paramount Plus, limited time, five ninety nine a month Showtime bundle. Catch up on Yellow Jackets, Star Trek, and much more. I have already caught up on Yellow Jackets, by the way. Pretty cool. Um, B, you can cash in on a discounted subscription of Paramount Plus bundled with Showtime. When Paramount Plus debuts, it's rebranding as Paramount Plus 
with Showtime on Tuesday, June 27th, the premium ad-free plan will cost $11.99 per month, a $2 increase from the current price. The essential plan, which has ads and doesn't include Showtime, will go up in price as well to $5.99 per month, a dollar bump up over the current price. But if you act fast, you can get three months of the premium plan for the monthly price as <clears throat> as an essential one, which is pretty cool. Um, I've been a subscriber of the Paramount Plus since it, since it was CBS All Access. I didn't add Showtime until they, I don't know, became part of Paramount. Now I have Showtime because I have it bundled with my Paramount Plus. And, and I tell you, it's a pretty good deal. It really is. They got some great stuff, and uh, you can watch some cool Star Trek. So, Paul. Jim, I'm just going to – Jim, can I just, like, reiterate the thing that we iterated, like, three years ago, which was that six bucks a month. Okay, six bucks a month. If you watch just Star Trek Discovery, if that's all you watch – 50 cents per episode. Is that worth it? Do you spend more than 50 cents on something that you don't like? To me, that is just like, why wouldn't you pay for it? Well, Paramount Plus, of all the streaming services, is the one that I watch the most. Um, 1923 is outstanding. Um, 1823 was even better. Um, There are some great shows on Paramount Plus. Um, and throw Showtime in with Yellow Jackets, and you can't lose. You're, and you also get access to your local station, which up to now is the only streaming network that gives you local access to your local news. So that alone, if you've cut the cord and you want to know what's going on locally, that alone makes it worth five ninety nine. Didn't they just recently relaunch all 10 Star Trek movies on Paramount Plus as well? Yep. Yes, as of June 1st, all of the Star Trek movies are now available, including the new 4K Star Trek, the motion picture director's cut, back on Paramount Plus. So you can watch Six bucks a month, you guys. Like, my latte, my, my, uh, here's what I order at Starbucks, almond milk mocha. When I get an almond milk mocha, it costs me about six fifty. So about the same as, like, an entire month of Paramount Plus. Unbelievable. And we're not getting paid from Paramount. No, we're not. That. No, no, no. no. I, this has I wish nothing I to do could. with that. It's just like, what the? Why wouldn't you do it? I, it just, I wish I Paramount remember was guys when, right now. Yeah. And Paramount called me up and said, "Hey Jim, we want to pay you," and I'd be like, "Okay, great, pay me." <laughs> because we believe. <laughs> but no, I'm not getting paid at all. I'm just trying to pass along to you guys, you know, the tremendous deal bargain that you have with Paramount Plus. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And Eric, Eric, because Paul's not here, uh, or who? Charles. No, I guess Charles is going to wrap us up. Okay. Continuing our Strange Strange New World second season two, Carol Kane on Funny Women at Starship Engineering Engineers and being yanked into sci-fi. <laughs> Playing Palia, I'm gonna guess Palia. The 
engineer in Star Trek Strange New Worlds is Carol Kane's introduction in the world of sci-fi. Kane said, said she's been getting the sci-fi realm. She's just been having a ball, calling it a great new discovery. First means speaking in the franchise's signature language of techno jargon and the series veterans called Techno Babble. Kane shared her secret to getting these lines out. Repetition, 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 she says. That's it. For me, I just have to run, run over and over and over and over until out and my brain can wrap them around the, the babble and make it seem like something I'm knowledgeable about. As we said before, Strange New World Season 2 premieres Thursday, January, June 15th on Paramount Plus. I believe it's in some of our other uh, some of the uh, other hemisphere. Well, but yeah, we so will be not, we will be just and reminder we will be discussing episode just like we've always had. So on the fifteenth we'll be watching. The week later we'll be discussing it. Yeah, so uh, Charles was cutting in and out just a little bit there, but like uh, the crux of the article was that Carol Kane is extremely excited about playing an engineer. She got yanked into this uh, world of being a Star Trek engineer, and one of the most challenging things that she found was the the. It says techno babble in the arc, uh, in the article, but I'm going to say trekno babble, right? Like all those words that Jordy would have <laughs> iterated with no problem um, that we all like to follow. Those are the hardest parts for her to figure out, and so she just has to repeat, repeat, repeat to be able to to deliver her lines in a meaningful way. So I'm very curious. How do you guys think that they're going to use Carol Kane? Like, will she be comedy relief is the engineer i mean in some ways scotty was a little bit of the comedy relief right he would he would do things like and i know jim's one of jim's favorite scenes is star trek 5 where he bonks his head on the bulkhead after having said that he knows the ship like the back of his hand right so is it going to be that kind of a thing with carol kane or will it be a slightly less you know, slapstick and a little bit more uh, sophisticated. Or are we going to get well, a Jet I, Reno? You yeah, or Jet, Jet Reno. Reno? Yeah. Yeah, Jet Reno. I think Jet Reno yeah. was so popular on Discovery that they decided, you know, we're going to have a Jet Reno type character, and we'll have to wait and see. So she's there to be kind of like grumpy and a foil to whatever's going on in the scene, but like she's actually really smart and gives good advice on the side. <laughs> well, I will, I, I will tell you guys this, Bruce Horak, who played Emmer in season mm-hmm. one uh, at Trek Long Island said that he as a, that he as an actor may be back on Strange New World. What? Uh, yes, but not as Hema. Whoa. Jim, you have not so, yet revealed this to us as your co-host. So, yeah. <laughs> so like an underling <laughs> of Carol Kane? <laughs> so, you know, we'll have to see. 
We'll have to see what Dude, happens with that. That would be awesome. And he did sign an NDA, so he can't confirm anything. He just said May. Take that for what, what it's worth. Take that for what it's worth. But um, so as Charles was saying, our schedule is going to start to get normalized again. And what that means is next week we're going to be doing Book Nook. We're going to be talking about the Star Trek Discovery, uh, Star Trek Strange New World book, High Ground. That'll be next Thursday. Next Thursday happens to be the premiere of Strange New World as well. We will be a week behind on our Strange New Worlds review. So every Thursday, we will review last Thursday's episode, and that's because we have a lot of listeners around the globe that don't see the episode until Friday. So we'll be a week behind on our reviews, and they'll be on every Thursday. will be an episode review, Star Trek birthdays, and Star Trek news, just like this podcast was tonight. However, any special shows that we have, like Chris Tonight, or for instance, on uh, the 19th, I'm going to be talking with Stephanie, Rachel, and Edwin about the awesome Trek Long Island. Any shows like that that are Book Nook, Comic Corner, or special guests will be on Monday because we just can't fit that much into a Thursday if we have episodes to review. So any special shows that come along will be on a Monday. All right? So that, that will be our schedule going forward. And you can always find our schedule on our Facebook page. At the top, under events, you'll see all the events that are scheduled. And as soon as I schedule a a guest or something like that, I try to get it posted on the Facebook page as soon as possible so you guys know when it's going to be. Okay? So that will be our schedule moving ahead, at least for the next 11 weeks. I don't know what's going to happen. After that, uh, they haven't come out with a schedule yet and told us what's going to happen after Strange New Worlds or when it will be. But for the next 11 weeks, that will be our schedule. All right, guys, so I want to say thank you so much to Chris Naylor for coming on and sharing his stories with us. It was a blast to talk to Chris. So thank you so much to Chris for hanging out with us. And uh, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out with us tonight and Trek Talking. Thank you, Eric. I absolutely had so much fun, you guys. It, it's always and it flies right by, doesn't it? It does. It just cruises by. And Chris, Chris was awesome because, like, I'll just say that we love talking to fellow nerds on the podcast because they sort of understand our jam and like our rhythm and stuff. And Chris was perfect. He was just an awesome guest. And when Chris was talking about meeting Jonathan Frake, uh, he sent me a picture of Jonathan Frake signing his Riker figure. I don't know, did I, did I post that in our chat? I don't know if I did or not. No. But uh, he, was so, he was so excited to meet Freak that he actually has a picture of Freak signing his Riker figure, which I thought, wow, that is so cool. So thank you so much to Chris. And also thank you to our very own Charles for hanging out and track talking with us. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, thank you. It's always fun. And uh, just as a reminder, you know, Star Trek fans are the best fans, guys. You better believe that. Please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Hey, all Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.